celebration. Life, 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 sports, sports, a celebration. Welcome, America, to the TC and Jake show. A celebration of life through sports. Pick up the phone moment Monday. Live with you. From the Oval Office of the LifeLock Studios. And now, here he is, TC and Jake. What's up, folks? Jake is in Iceland on vacation, so in his place we have Mike Saroy. I think everyone's heard of him. Hello. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Big fan of IJB, as you know. Big fan of episode, uh, I used to know it, One. 49 or 51. It's 51. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. I, I only know it because I remember the other times that you come in and been like, 51. Really? Best okay. One. I know same joke <laughs> yeah. every time I've been on this. Yeah. I'm a big fan of IJB 51. I have not <laughs> yeah. heard any others. But, <laughs> but I, from what no. I understand, they're very, they're very good. In, in the 800 since then, we've done some good things. I encourage I you to know. check it out. I wouldn't know. <laughs> but I've listened to that one a dozen times. It's funnier every, every single time. Yeah, since uh, since your thing with Gordon was streaming, I was hoping to be uh, your your uh, podcast exclusive first, and then whenever I text you, you say you're going on mics. He yeah, scooped me. I did I did mics yesterday, so this is gosh the third fourth. I mean, this is the tank is empty. It's old news. The, yeah, my no, gas can is empty. So I mean, I'm I not think it'd be anything else ablaze. <laughs> It'd be crazy to uh, to not discuss it some, but I, I have plenty of other things. Like I've 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 had a general. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm always walking around with some questions for Mike Soroy. Good. Who wouldn't be uh, <laughs> a, ma- a man with interesting answers? Uh, I, did you watch the? Uh, I'd love to get into the Gordon stuff first, but yeah, or no, you know, whatever. ticket whatever. But have have you seen the the Cocaine Cowboys Netflix series? I have. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah, with uh, Sal and Willie. Yeah, so I'd, I'd love to talk about Sal and Willie in a second. Oh, you hit me. I have stuff. <laughs> um, I've hugged them. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I certainly. I thought it was great. I thought it, it, it showed your character how dedicated you were to uh, to taking the high road. Um, <laughs> Did it? I thought so. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know what's funny is during it. I think this is why, because I woke up feeling like guilty the next day, mm-hmm. but during it, you know, my phone is over here and I don't have, get many texts or whatever, but you know, you check it and it's like my brother. And the last thing he said, the last text he sent was pull the plug. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like in the middle of some bullshit rant about American capitalism is pull the plug. And I'm like, oh shit, maybe this isn't <laughs> as good as it's coming out in my head. Yeah. I, I think that was a good time to end it. I, I don't know. It, <laughs> I, I think that like uh, you and Gordon have uh, you did, like a legitimate difference in perspective that probably wasn't going to be uh, solved on that particular yes. broadcast, and that both of you had, had said about as much as you had to say on it. That's definitely true. We were, yeah, we'd run in the similar circles enough laps to where we probably didn't need to do this anymore. Yeah, and I I, I think that like the the taking the high road is something that it takes a certain amount of willpower, right? Of like, you know, you do have legitimate concern. I, I, I want to do plenty of like speaking for myself and yeah. not speaking for you. And I will say that I certainly didn't feel like I was uh, always well treated by my employer. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and it's it's so tricky because and you probably are a little different from me on this, is that I I have no beef with anyone up there, including the people you're picturing, you know? <laughs> I really don't. Like I'll talk about Kat, you know, he's our boss. He's also a buffer between f- management all the way to Atlanta. 
And he does buffer a lot of that shit from coming down on us and bothering us because he knows the success of the ticket and how good it is. Mm -hmm. He was also completely unfriendly for like many years to me. Yeah. But then I'm saying four or five years ago, we kind of became cool. And I never would have thought that happens. Now it's still like a boss employee relationship, which he really wants to make sure is maintained in strange and random times. Yeah. Um, but you know, a subordinate relationship, like there's always a reminder of that, but personally, like I don't, I don't dislike him at all, you know, and that may be different from other perspectives. I've, I've heard that, uh, he seems to have, uh, become much more chill personally over the last several years. And, uh, so, you know, I mean, like, I don't know, uh, I, I would agree that he needed to. And if he did, then I'm happy for him, you yeah. know, like, but, uh, that it certainly wasn't like the bulk of my experience. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm sure if like you were sitting here, uh, and I, I hope he doesn't listen to. I, he, I'm under the impression he's never listened to an episode of the podcast. He always seemed like surprised when it would come. Like, really? Oh, you guys are still doing that? <laughs> so you know, I think I, it's pretty far off his radar. <laughs> That's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that of because out of all the shit that happened on Gordon's thing, I feel like Cat would be the one who would be mad at some of it. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't really care. You know, yeah. I don't have to care anymore. You have no relationships. With but I did, that exact question sort of crossed my mind was like, will he hear this or whatever? So I did talk to Gordon a few days after it. And he said that he called Kat like that Sunday just to let him know. And can you think, do you think Gordon delivered that fairly? Like, you know, we got into some interesting topics in this, this. No, he was like, man, Saroy just fucked everything. <laughs> pissed all over this and like made it sound way worse than it was, I guarantee. You think so? I, don't I definitely think so. Think so. I don't to know. him on a private phone call, yes, I think so. Um, but make me look like the bad guy. If, if which he, maybe I am. Hell, I don't know. If he were sitting here, uh, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he like uh, had a hurt look on his face and like was like, "What about this time I was cool or this time right, I was yeah, cool?" Remembering. You know, I mean, like uh, you know, he he was someone I saw every day for a decade. Uh, it's not like there were uh, no times that uh, we we shared a friendly moment. Yeah, you know, but like uh, over the course of the like, I, I don't know. I just I think about how different my life would be if uh, yeah. I mean, the key juncture in my mind is certainly uh, whenever uh, God, who was it? uh that that left that vacated the sunday spot that made it so and now i'm I, I, the first time yeah well just just whenever whenever like there's an uh, open sunday patch? yeah I, was it the soul patch that left it was scott and uh and jjt at first and then it was scott and mclaren mm -hmm. i don't know um yeah so whenever they vacated and he's got this spot to fill uh i think that it seemed you know natural enough that you know like he definitely wanted jake in and hey good news jake has been taking his own uh you know like uh motivation to go and uh work out chemistry with someone and he's also employed here he'd be happy to do it for uh low wages you yeah, know and yeah. uh to, to go out of your way to do i you know just i don't know whatever it, none of it like makes me look like Complaining about that and just like highlighting that situation or reminding everyone that happens. I don't think any of that's good for me. It doesn't make me look like a, you know, undeniably talented individual that everyone loves, which is certainly what I would like to project. Of course. Um, but, I remember uh, you guys, uh, you had one show, didn't you? Or? Yeah, we did a couple. Uh, there, was, the there was one specific one where we... Uh, was that the Singularity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I was, in, I was in Florida 
listening to that whole thing because I was psyched for you guys. Nice. And I remember we did a full singularity segment, and I'm like, let's fucking go. Here we go. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, yeah, no, that was like, uh, you know, I mean, that that's, uh, if Kat were sitting here and trying to build the Cat is Cool resume, uh, we we went to him and said, hey, we think we could do a good job. And he was like, try out, absolutely. And then wrote, you know, like an evaluation of it. The line that I will always remember and was, you know, repeating every day for the next, like, duration of my time there was... This would not sound out of place with the other programming on the station. Okay. I'm like, well, that means he's going to have us back every week, right? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, You know, it wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, But, you know, so like that stuff, it just, I mean, I don't know. I... If, if we were talking uh, before I got fired, I, I was really liking uh, making a lot of money at my previous job. And so I wasn't really like lamenting then uh, that, you know, I was kind of like, well, there was some turbulence in, in there. And in, I don't know, all this could work out just fine anyway. You know, like I, I don't know. I, one of the things I would like to discuss with someone else who has also left the station since, you know, I also did and have done a lot of thinking about it is that I did just get so much happier uh like it's it's a very competitive workplace uh you know even from like the people who i love you know that like like i i I have nothing i I don't know i i don't i don't i i think that you were indicating that you're less bitter than i am and i have no doubt that's true but i i don't think that i'm bitter yeah uh you know i there's a lot of good things i have to say about the entire experience but Having my like self-esteem pegged to how quickly I was advancing there or what I thought that the audience thought of me uh, was not real healthy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can see that. And I, the, the audience reaction thing is, is tricky, you know, like, I mean, you know, the, you get a million nice tweets and things and then two bad ones and you think of the bad ones. Like, I understand that. Including like after my Gordon thing, I got a, you know, a few people are like, oh, listen to crybaby bitching and moaning about he couldn't get this. He couldn't get this. And I'm like, fuck that guy. And then 99 people are like, bro, you laid it out there. You said what you had, you had to say. I mean, yes, you were hammered, but (laughs) so yeah, that, that part is, is, is very true. I don't, it's all still so like fresh that I'm not sure long-term, you know, how, how it feels, but I don't feel bitter I do miss it in the sense that, uh, and I did talk about this with Mike Reiner yesterday. So if you want to listen to his pod, it's on Vocal. It's available. Uh, Your Dark Companion. Dark Companion. So if you want to pause this or stop this and go listen to that, mm-hmm. then I'll just not answer the rest of it here. Okay. Uh, he wouldn't appreciate that if I. <laughs> yeah, it's an exclusive. <laughs> no, it was it was the, the thought of trying to weigh, and I, it sounds douchey, but the I mean I don't want to say celebrity, but like the you're someone when you're at the ticket like it's an unquantifiable thing that's very separate from the money it's separate from everything else and it's also why that amount of money is fine and it's also why the ticket can pay that amount of money because they know yeah everyone wants to fucking be here everyone wants to work here we look out that door there's a you know a line that stretches around the corner about people who would kill to do this so it's a very tricky thing to to give up the money that's easy to give up and there's a lot of things i can do that i'm already doing that are going to you know, benefit me a lot more financially, but feeling like a s- self-important or w- like having this value that's very difficult to quantify um, is a tricky thing that I don't have that outlet right now anymore. Like I see things and I'm like, oh, I want to talk about this in the show. And then, oh, you barely even finish the sentence because there ain't no show and there's nowhere to talk about this. It's almost like, you know, ripping the, the, 
barely functioning superhero cape off and throwing it <laughs> on the ground and now walking around and be like, so, oh no, I, I can't fly anymore, you know? So yeah. I'm struggling with that a little bit. So I don't have a sense of relief or joy or weight off my shoulders right now. Yeah, I mean, there is, there's a lot. I mean, I'm sure this is like this for you somewhat too, but probably more for me. There was aspects of it I, of what you're talking about that I just didn't like. You know, like uh, I, you get enough of those negative comments from people that, and and but the comments from people who do recognize you in person. I don't know about you. I've never had someone come up to me and be yeah, like, fuck you, "You fucking asshole." Yeah, <laughs> but so so I I either I've just been incredibly lucky to run into a hundred percent of the people who liked me, or some of these people are duplicitous. Yeah, no, that you know, I mean, that's and uh, that's keyboard keyboard warriors at work, and that's fine. It, like, but that thought in the back of my head, I I found it to be like uh, kind of corroding. You know, of like every time that you you are running into someone, you're like. So this person is aware of like this history, and I and I, I don't trust that like the average person is is going to be like upfront about whether or not they are actually are. So then I'm spending the rest of the interaction being like, is this the guy that's fucking right. flaming me all the right. time? Right. And I, you know, it's not like a good. I wouldn't recommend anyone to adopt that way of thinking about it. But like it, it, having done that enough times, I was like, you know what would actually be good if far fewer people recognize me. <laughs> yeah. I get that. Yeah, you're talking to someone, they're being friendly, and you're like, is this guy, the, the guy behind Fuck Fleming 420? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No Scope 69? Yeah, no, there was a guy, <laughs> he wouldn't even tag me, but like, he would tweet a couple times a day. Uh, just about like how much he fucking hated everything <laughs> but, but it was it was just his the, the handle was just his name like his oh, full name yeah I'm like, All right, man. so i guess if i ever met him but there was a uh, there's another one uh there was a guy i have to assume it was one guy that uh i blocked him at some point and he would make a new account every day <laughs> Like just you know, like slight variation on what the account name was uh, the day before, you know, and just like say just oh, really? vile like, shit. Not yeah. even really trying to hide it. Like a no, no, vari- just okay. letting you know. Like Same you can picture. block me as much as you want. It doesn't take that long for me to make an account. <laughs> like fucking, I'll be here, bud. Like I'm with you, and I feel like that's like the among the shittiest people in the world. But then if you really separate it, it's just some dude in his office who's got a station he likes for whatever reason. He doesn't like you or me or whatever. And it's almost like a little game. It's not like he's banging his fist and his, right. all days are ruined. It's just like a fun little game where he's like, I can get under the skin of this dude. And it's our job not to give a fuck, but that is easier said than done when there's like literal personal attacks on when you talk, I hate it. Yeah, it's just like there's there's a, there's a wide range of interpretation or like of possibilities. And like one of the, probably the most likely one is the one that you're describing, you know, where it's just like, you know, I'm bored at work and this is something to do. You right. know, I, I get a little thrill whenever I do it. It's no big deal. But like, also he might be fucking deranged. Like it's a little bit deranged behavior. Yeah. And like, at what point does he stop? You know, like it's not hard to figure out what my address is. Yeah. Uh, no, that's you know? true on the levels of it. And there are deranged people. And I, like the second that that starts to be a thing in your head and like you're reminded of it every day because he makes a new account every day. Uh, you're like, you know, it's you're walking around thinking like, so am I just going to like get gunned down? Yeah. You know, probably not. Like 99% chance no. But I don't want to spend any time thinking about whether or not I'm going to be gunned down. Right. I agree with that. I do have this recurring, I shouldn't even talk, speak it into existence, but it's not just gunned down. It's for some reason taking a crossbow to the back as I stand <laughs> in the front doorway of my house. <laughs> it's, it's more vivid. It's, it's, it's literal and vivid. 
Yeah, like, no, you shouldn't have put crossbow. that out there. Like, who no, was crossbow? No, yeah, know. exactly. Now I got this. But yeah, you're right. We leave the station. We walk the same, you know. Yeah. It's crossed my mind on that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, I, exactly, like that's that's one in in many many million of a chance. More than that, even definitely. And, and I will, I, I I say this as a credit to you. You were were and are a polarizing dude, <laughs> and that goes well with radio. And you know that if if you were hosting a show regularly, I mean, like this one, there there are people who listen to this and probably see you guys have probably a ninety eight percent Q rating on this show. And and that's kind of what I, I think had. That in general, people listen to podcasts because they like the host. You're right. You're right. I think Not that like radio. radio. Well, I mean, like on radio, like they probably liked Bob and Dan. You right. Know? <laughs> right. But then there's a thorn in the side. Yeah. Yeah. Who's this other fucker talking? Right. And I I sympathetic to that. In some level, like that's yeah, that's not anywhere near the main reason why I was like I need to make a change. But it's like. I don't know. I, I respect these people's right to want what they want and fucking, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that like it should govern my thinking, but I was like, here's a nice silver lining. They'll fucking, yeah, they'll, they'll be happier. I want everyone in the world to be happy. And I was able to contribute to those people in that positive way. Right. So fucking, <laughs> although, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mean this personally to her at all. Uh, cause I think that she did a great job and I have a very positive opinion of her, but I, I'm sure that they just fucking, not the same people, but like a different subset are just like, ah, Julie's talking, you know? See, I, yeah. And I love Julie and, and I think she's hilarious. And I, you know, I've said many times, I do look at the ticket Reddit mainly because I like Reddit. <laughs> yeah. I love Reddit. <laughs> I think Reddit's an incredible site, regular Reddit, any of the, uh, the uh, subreddits that I like, and one of them I have bookmarked is the ticket, because I've said, if there's... What if are there your was, favorite subreddits? If there was a subreddit about your job and you, like, that'd be pretty hard not to look at. It's not that hard after a point. Dude, I, I went through... I stopped for, like... I Because it was... I was in like a cycle, you know, of like I would do it and I'd be like, ah, don't feel good after that. But then like a month later, I'd be like, I'm, I'm going to read it every day again. Yeah. Uh, and, and eventually I was, every once in a while, I will break free of like uh, the, you know, cycles that I'm in or whatever. You know, uh, I stopped smoking weed every single day. Okay. Couple, about, a, about a year ago. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now we now we keep it to weekends. That's the one other That's uh, pretty good. time that, uh, you know, I've uh, been able to get my uh, impulses under sleep light control but the probably the biggest success was i went like uh, from from the moment which was years before i stopped probably in like 2016 i was like this i just feel bad every time i read this site like in in a not in like a way of like i disagree with the person i'm thinking about their comments i vaguely feel depressed for days afterwards and like i can't really put my finger on what like every you know, like i think about like what do i want for dinner and i'm like <laughs> fucking nothing nothing sounds good yeah. you know just and and I I just noticed the pattern of like that happens much more frequently after I see that you know someone hates me and I'm just like I don't know I I, I yeah you, know, you got to make a line at some point I think you are touching on something that I'm very interested in and it's and it's not a really fun funny conversation so we can keep it short but it is and it's not like my theory but the whole social media anxiety even suicide numbers all this shit I mean I think it's like one of the biggest concerns, certainly the biggest mental concern going on in our world. And I have it too. And like I said, you're more polarizing than me. I have a pretty, like Reddit treats me pretty good. Yeah. You know, Twitter tweets, treats me pretty good, better than most hosts. And a lot of that is the uh, small doses, you know, cause I've never really been a full-time host. So 
small doses. Like, this guy's great. Make him a host. And in my head, I'm like, shit, I don't know if I could do this every day. And if I did do it every day, these people, half of them would hate me and be like, shit, turns out he didn't have anything. Um, but God, there's so many people who deal with like anxiety and I even effing deal with it. I've never had it until a few years ago. And, and I'm not committing suicide here, but if you look at teen suicide rates, they directly correlate with social media. And I think exactly what you just said is that you don't want to fucking have dinner and you're not hungry because someone's talked shit about you. Even though I, I think I, I rep repress that in my own head and it probably comes out in random weird times and in ways that pre presents like mental unhealth and, and anxiety. I mean, hell, I, I'm on airplanes now and I'm really having some kind of a hard time with anxiety on airplanes. Really? And I've never had that. I yeah. love it. Yeah. And now it's just manifested itself there. And I'm like, so I take a little pill now and I have a freaking backup nuke pill if I need it. Um, and I think it can be all fucking directly correlated to social media. And, and whether it's that's my friends are doing better than me. My friends are beautiful. My friends are in fucking Italy right now. Or this person hates me. This person doesn't think I'm good looking. This person said something that makes me feel bad. To be beholden or reliant on the reactions of fucking the masses who are invisible. I don't think we are even capable of quantifying what that means to our own mental health. And statistically, those numbers we just talked about make it seem like this ain't good. Yeah, I, I we talk about this general topic on the podcast a decent amount, and I think about it even more of... You just think about evolution, right? Of like the 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 pace of change there, and uh, you know, I, I saw a TikTok. It was some uh, smart celebrity. I don't remember who it was right now, but it was just talking about, uh, you know, if 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 human history were a year, uh, you know, like we discovered fire like a month ago or something. Yeah. And uh, you know that that's the the pace over which our our brains have like changed, and so we're just the the situation that we were built for, the things that we were attuned to. Uh, just not in any way resembling the lives that we are leading currently. And I just think we are a lot more disconnected. Think think about the way that, like, for most of human history, we were of, like, uh, the idea of, like, a, a single-family home is a very fucking recent innovation. Like, it used to be that you were, you know, huddled with every single other person you knew all of the time. Yeah. That was everyone's life for, you know, the entire time, like, you know, practically that our, our brains were being formed and like, you know, were being built to, to do what they, what we now expect them to do. And so, yeah, the fact that you're like sitting in your house, uh, with your reality being defined by people talking to you through your television and over your whatever, you know, like, uh, there's no way that we were built for this situation. Or we weren't built for it and we can't process how to handle it. On the same thing you just said, it was a uh, Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson was doing one of the one of his things, mm -hmm. and he showed the he said if the entire history of the solar system of the planet was a calendar, you know, the birth of Jesus, you know, or year zero mm -hmm. would be like December thirty first at like eleven fifty two p.m. Yeah, you know, like it's insane, and it's insane. And then if you want to talk about the industrial revolution or the modernness of the society we live in. That's freaking, uh, 1159 30. In like cars. And have then always the internet been was a millisecond. Oh yeah. You know, like we just got it. Our we brain has no idea. Like it, it, 0% and of we it just is evolved. Keep for thinking the we're okay. Yeah. And we shouldn't be able to handle any of this shit. We shouldn't be able to handle any of it. The last hundred years, basically, 
But then when the computers came along and, and the internet brought us all together and gave us the entire power and knowledge of the world collectively and just said, bam, here's all of it. And you can tell each other to fuck off too. Which is why I would encourage everyone to move to Montana and start uh, sending mail to uh, universities and airlines. Okay. No. Beard growth and cabin living. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know what to do. But I mean, I know what to do about it on a small level. You know, like uh, I know whenever I'm feeling that way, it's like try and hang out with some friends, you know, get outside. Yeah. Like the, the things that you are evolved for is spending face-to-face time with people that you like. Yeah, agree. And fill your life with that as much as possible. It's probably going to work out pretty good. Or go get, yeah, some serotonin. Yeah. Like get a little sunlight, fresh air. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about how much uh, time out was spent outdoors in our, yeah. you know, previous. All, all? Yeah, yeah. Uh, people always talk mm. about uh, cavemen. I'm sure we've said this on the podcast before. I think that uh, it's not the case that we were uh, more present in caves. I think it's just that the people who were in caves, uh, their shit got preserved because the sun wasn't fucking beaming down on it and it okay. was raining all the time. It. Yeah. <laughs> I think we were probably uh, field men, more likely. Yeah. And you can't carve in fields. That's right. You can't carve history into the fields. Not most fields. Yeah. A couple fields. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, so I, I think all of that's true. Uh, but to, to, to talk about, or well, one thing I definitely want to make sure I say about the ticket before we uh, go any further is I have been thinking a lot about, um, I've, I've got a trip coming up where uh, me and the boys are going to see Rage Against the Machine at Alpine Valley. Run the Jewels is opening for them. It's going to be an entire weekend and I'm fucking stoked for it. And zero of the people on that trip would I know if I hadn't answered, you know, the ad asking for interns for bad radio. And that, like, how many fucking cool things in my life where, like, if I hadn't answered that ad, like, I just would have had so much worse of life. So, like, whenever I talk about, you know, life would be way different if it, like, that key juncture of uh, what do we do with this weekend show – um, you know, much on a much greater magnitude if they'd been like, well, we got three applications for this intern position. We're only going to take two and he's the odd man out. Then like, I don't know, dude, I, I don't think it's better. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I think I'm like a lot more fucking lonely and doing less cool shit. Um, and so I, I always keep that in mind, you know, and like I, on some level, the fact that I really think that cat uh, like is a personal judgment, like just you know, like like like, like you're saying, I'm I'm a bit polarizing at times. I, I believe it or not, I, I'm a little mystified by that. I I think I'm an easy <laughs> easygoing guy, uh, but you know, I, I can't argue with the results. Um, but so I I think that he lands much more on the like what's what's this guy's deal yeah. side of the polarization, which is just natural enough. I don't feel a bunch of control over that. You know, um, I don't. I don't mean polarizing is even a negative. I think you're opinionated. Yeah, no, I don't think you're and criticizing. I think, I, I, I think people meet you and interact with you and and like almost don't know, don't know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. That's a. It may not feel like a compliment, but I think that is a compliment. I'll take it. Like, what's this guy's deal? Yeah, I think he probably does think that. And unless you had time to sit down and get to know him and really. You know, and not that that's your responsibility as an employee to, to do that with your employer. If anything, it's probably the other way around. It should be theirs. But but given that, the fact that he did give me two full-time jobs, you know, like I, I do feel so, – with all these things, there's a lot of different ways of looking at them. And I try to inhabit every one of them, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, so – 
I I did I did just want to say like one of my great regrets is the last probably two full years I was working there on a regular basis, like at least once a week, probably much more than once a week, I would have the thought of like, man, I should do something. Like we should do something. Like I should go to some, like I know there's a couple other people here who feel the same way I do, that we're not being treated as well as we ought to be treated. I know that there's stations in town and this is like, whatever they're like, what do you want to do? The ticket overhead costs are high. Uh, There's other stations in town that do sports radio. I know what they pay their people. It's a lot more. It's like close to double what I was making. And they're making less money. Like the station is making less money and they're paying the people at my level double. So it's not like uh, we're doing this because of financial constraints. We're making a choice that we think that we have you so over a barrel yeah. that uh, we're going to do it because you just love working here so much that you'll just do it for whatever. And, uh, you know, I mean, like they can make that decision, but I, I, I look at, you know, whether it's had a small or a large effect on my life, uh, you know, we, I, there's no question in my mind that I would have started trying to have children much earlier if I, like, you know, my wife and I had the conversation a lot of times, like, should we have kids? And just being like, we can't afford it. Like, yeah. like I'm like, you know, I would, I would sit down with her and be like, this is what, if we did, this is what happens. First thing we're selling the house. Like we're, you know, uh, moving to someplace much smaller and shittier mm-hmm. and raising our kids there. Like, I don't know. I made $28,000. <laughs> like, how yeah. are you fucking uh, starting a family on $28,000? And, uh, you know, if I had continued working there, I'm pretty sure I'd still be making $28,000. And so I, I don't even know what I did. Like, you know, uh, anyways, I like it just... It has a real, you know, that it's it's not like it's just money, right? Like yeah. it's it's determining the parameters of people's lives, and uh, I I think that that stuff's really serious. And so I I would have loved and was thinking about it all the time, and and you know it's the kind of thing where like I saw the light and didn't go towards it, and so I think you should always regret that sort of thing. Of I know there was other people up there, you being first and foremost among them, who felt the same way and probably felt the same way strong enough that like. You know, I, I don't know if you know or if you followed it enough to like know this. I think they sent out an email whenever it happened. So you probably do. There was a station that unionized and they just fired everyone. Really? Yeah. yeah. A cumulus station. Like the San Francisco. Uh, <laughs> they just fired everyone? Yeah. Just cleaned house. And so I didn't want that. And I, I don't know. Like we're Texas, dude. Like unions don't thrive here. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about forming a union. I'm talking about... Having some like collective with a, a small C action of just like all of us call a meeting, you know, just everyone on the support staff just go and be like, hey, you know, we all feel this way. Like we're not we're not threatening, you know, like we're not making an ultimatum. We're not making a demand. We're just establish. We're just starting a conversation of like this is how we feel. We do know that these other people are making this. You guys could do something about it. And like. One thing, I'm sorry, I've been going on for a while, uh, but I had you on as a guest to hear your perspective, (laughs) not to talk at you. But uh, whenever I got the top 10 job, uh, I got it, you know, immediately following Jake, who at that time was my roommate. I think we might have been like a couple months lapsed from being roommates. But anyways, I know what he made and they paid me 1500 less. Really? And I've always thought about that of like, did who whoever they're doing this on behalf of, you know, like the, the Dickies at this time, 
Would they, under any circumstance, notice $1,500? That's un- like fucking one night at a hotel room for them. And it's, I don't know, uh, 5% of my salary for me. Yeah, but see, isn't that how it's all designed is that they don't care. Dan Bennett, all he cares about is this X number. And if he can then, and I hate to go this far with it, but is it their bonuses that, ma- that that's all that matters? You would know, it, would it surprise you? It would not no, surprise I, me. I believe it. I don't <laughs> yeah. have any info that that's true. Or, and hell, cat's bonus for that matter. Yeah. Some annual bonus. That's their, that's what is designed to make sure you keep shit down. And also Atlanta, they certainly know DFW ticket. They know ticket and Cumulus Dallas. I mean, they know that they were ever the big boys, but you're still a, a ticker anchor. I'm still a producer. I mean, there's a little window of money that's allotted for that sort of thing. They don't, you know, they, for Dan Bennett to call up there, hey, well, we've had a big meeting down here with all of our sports staff. They're like, down where? Oh, Dallas? Okay. And then all they write is Dallas, problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I just, I, I kind of And want... then it makes Dan Bennett look like shit to the, his direct, that's it. I guess that if we're all, like, asking for something, then, like, it, it, it maybe gets to an amount of money they would notice, but, like, not even really, you know? Well, like, I, if they just had taken Grego's salary and redistributed it amongst everyone, like, problem solved, done. Agree, but that's the cry of the worker class always. That's was sort of the, the, the seed of, I think, my main whiskey-fueled point with Gordon is that we could do that, yes, and it wouldn't create a blip on the radar. They'd be like, ah, oh, noted, very interesting, good. Let's, you know, let's see what we can do. And then nothing I mean, would I think happen. They, I think they would have done something. I think there would have been <clears throat> no chance they just would have been like, your demand's met. But like, whenever you create, I think that you might be surprised. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to like uh, talk about this. I certainly don't want to give details because whatever. I want to be deferential to people's privacy, even though the main person is me. Um, but there, there was, a, there was a time where I, I felt that I had been wronged in a serious way that like would register to HR. And, uh, I, I, you know, talked about it with my, uh, my confidants for, uh, for a while. And they were mostly like, you know, dude, what's going to happen? Like things don't change. Like you're just going to make problems, you know, like whatever. But I, I, I couldn't be talked out of it. I was, you know, like, no, dude, I want to see, like I, the, the other hundred times that something like this has happened, I've just eat, I've just eaten it. Mm-hmm. And like this time I'm going to see what happens if I don't. And so like, I fucking went down to the office, laid out the situation and it was like, I'm not all right with this. They were like, we're not all right with it either. We'll do an investigation like they did. And uh, it's certainly not the case that they just full scale agreed with my version of events. Uh, but even in the course of not coming close to uh, agreeing with my version of events, things got much better for me in really? like soft ways that clearly that like, there's no way, like I could never go to HR and be like, but he just did this nice thing for me. It's clearly an apology. Yeah. But like, but they got, I'm better. not an idiot. I know. They get, <laughs> I know that it was. Did they get better just from that? Whoever the individual you're talking about is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, like, like. I could I could give you a list of like you know these things happened that had never happened before now they're happening right and this is like a soft you know I listen. but I think that's just because they're scared of of it becoming a bigger thing so they whisper and they say all right hey this is the, where we're at let's not run this up the flagpole just. 
please do this. And whoever the person is also doesn't want whatever it was to be a big deal. So they're like, okay, fine. Yeah. And I, I just, I think that like, uh, that sort of saber rattling, I don't know. I, the one time I tried it, it was great. So I think that we should have done it a lot more. Yeah, It was great. Uh, you know, like I, I, I don't, like I'm saying, I don't think that they would have met our demands, but I think that things would have gotten better in small ways. I, I don't think that they would have just entirely ignored it. I, that's just not how people work. You know, whenever, whenever they have meetings, it, it, creates a reality for them it changes their reality in some way yeah i agree and it's maybe cynical of me to think that they would all just do absolutely nothing it would change nothing but i think that's what my point was with gordon is that us all minions saying shit is worth x amount but any of the big boys who actually matter their voices carry so much further yeah and like i hopefully said on the thing the big boys pull money together and and kicked it kicked kick money down to the underlings when the uh, layoff, not layoffs, what do you call them? The furloughs. Well, furloughs, exactly. When the yeah. furloughs happened, they did that. Yeah. And I don't, you know, that was never really talked about on air, but they did it. Um, and, and you know, I know I can, because he said I could, I mean, Jake and Dan kick money down to their help. Yeah. No one makes them do that. Not they from shouldn't. the furlough, from like yeah, all the time. Regularly. Yeah. Like a Christmas bonus, like good job. Like a little bit because they know how fucked you guys are getting. And that's completely fucked that they should even have to do that because they shouldn't have to do that. They earn yeah. every fucking dollar they make, but they're good dudes and they do it. And I guess that was just my point is that if the big dogs collectively fought for us, then he, big changes could happen and we could all be making $32,000 a year. That's right. What a paradise. <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, I, I never thought about that. I thought that the, get all the people who are directly affected together and have one meeting with them. I thought that that was possible. And like, you know, in my mind, kind of the only reason it didn't happen is because I was lazy and scared. And so that's why I have regrets. Uh, but whether the big dogs, no chance, zero chance that I like, I'm just saying my personal feeling. I, I never imagined that uh and i don't know i don't like i just i i think that the uh, i think it just would have gone like it did on the stream you know yeah apparently yes but i think if the if if before danny and i did what we did and i mean put yourself there and whoever if they all knew they were going to lose people that they do work with every day care about and contribute to the shows they may have at least gone and said something. Now they're not going to go lay down their swords and say, well, you're not coming to work unless these raises are met. But I think if they knew that that threat was on the table, they would have reacted more swiftly than management would have reacted. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Um, you know, but we never really got there. So whatever. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, I, whatever, I, I think I've done enough to try and, uh, say that I don't feel exclusively negatively. I, you know, I feel, both things at once. I feel very, very positive and very, very negative. You know, it's whatever. Um, anyways, I do want to talk about Cocaine Cowboys. Do you have anything else to say about the ticket? I mean, I feel it's like you've... I, I want to talk about the Cocaine Cowboys stuff because I, I figured you'd be a little talked out on... <laughs> I am a little talked out on ticket bullshit, so I don't... Whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, I want to talk fun stuff. And I've been... Uh, since I... Because I... Uh, my uh, my friend Alex, uh, we we reviewed uh, the 2006 Miami Vice on uh, on, oh, the, on the other Colin show that we do. Farrell, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the uh, ending grade? You know, it's it's mixed. 
Have you ever seen it? I have seen it. All I remember is like the very first scene, which is screaming boats, I think. And I'm Hell like, yeah. fucking A, let's go. Yeah. So I have this weird positive memory of it. But I think overall, I think it was probably pretty bad. I wouldn't say it's pretty bad. It's There's like definitely some like the, I don't know, the story, it's like whatever. But it's like the boats just do look so fucking cool. Yeah. I give a ton of points for that. I yeah. Legitimately, I don't feel like that's a... <laughs> I mean, what I, we're making movies, like trying to put amazing images on screen is sort of the point. <laughs> rule one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they Especially do. Especially it was an action movie. Like, as well as anyone. I um, remember uh, back in growing up when Miami Vice like hit, you know? Yeah. Like it, and I don't even know if it was like the number one show in America. I think it was pretty big. I think it was, but when you're a kid in Miami, yeah, holy shit! Like we have our own show. I mean, any city, anyone. I mean, hell, that's why Dallas was yeah. such a people here. I, was Dallas the number one show in America? I think so. It and Dynasty were like, weren't they at war? Yeah. Around here, I imagine Dallas probably won that battle <laughs> pretty uh, significant, pretty swiftly. Dallas was also huge in Europe. Really? Uh, whenever I had studied abroad, people would regularly be like, "Oh fuck yeah, Jr." They have an odd obsession with Texas and Dallas. If you're in Europe, uh, never say you're from America. Say you're from Texas. I was, yeah, agree. Yeah, I was in Scotland, and uh, I met some Irish people at a pub, and we're just bullshitting. And they they were saying they love wrestling. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, dude, we have a ton of wrestling. I literally lied to try to impress them because we have had the fucking Undertaker and Kane and we've had like dozens of wrestlers in, but I tried to impress them by telling we had the Irish wrestler Seamus in studio. <laughs> I literally lied. I don't even know why. <laughs> I was, How weird. <laughs> yeah. Like this was, I could have said the Undertaker was in studio. They would have been thought that was interesting, but I'm like, yeah, we had Seamus in studio and they didn't give one fuck because all they cared about was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hell yeah. Just like everybody, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But they were they were obsessed with him He's the star. and Texas and Dallas. Yeah, they I'll, romanticized uh, the shit out of Texas in in certainly Northern Europe. Yeah, and it may be rooted in that show. Like I don't I don't know why. I think it's got something to do with it. I don't think it's like the. I mean, you know, whatever, dude. A lot of people like westerns. Yeah, you know, there's that whole you know, spaghetti westerns. Of, <clears throat> you know, the people in Italy just obsessed <clears throat> with the American West. Yeah, and Texas looms as large. You know, I mean, like I, I wonder how much. I'm sure some of that was happening in Texas, but like, you know, Utah and Nevada also. But if you say you're from Utah, they wouldn't be like, oh, cowboys. Right. Right. Uh, so I don't know. People are weird. But uh, I, I, I want to ask, I know you recently went to Italy. Do you have, I guess you probably told plenty of stories whenever you got back and you were still on the radio, but how, uh, how'd it go? It's, it was awesome. I mean, yeah. it was, I, I've learned this about myself and it's, a, I think a great thing is that I'm a pretty optimistic, cheery person. <clears throat> and I don't feel like that all the time. I don't, you know, I'm quiet and whatever when I'm, you know, oftentimes, but I look forward to things and almost always they exceed expectations. And I think it, I don't, I put them on a high pedestal and, but it's like, I'm not spending that time trying to mentally knock them down off the pedestal. Like, Oh, this didn't, I didn't like this. I didn't like this. I just went to the Indy 500 this year. Yeah. 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 I fucking loved it. And I was so psyched and I had an absolute blast. I just went to the U S open. I've had a good sports year. <laughs> And I was I, uh, clearly I'm, freaking out about going to Sunday at the U.S. Open, and it was better than I expected. It was so cool. I laughed out loud at your uh, your Indy 500 segment tease. I was in the car for that. What and was you it? were like, uh, 
Who won the Indy 500? It was oh, yes. uh, Louis Erickson. Next. <laughs> Next. And I just had yeah, to make Donnie laugh, and he's just shaking his head. Like, <laughs> but Italy was the same way, obviously. I mean, this was planned for a year. I was freaking out. I was super excited. And almost across the board, it was better than I expected. How did it end up being planned? How did you land on Italy? Who was the driver well, in that? Th- uh, so this was three years ago. Sure. Cash... At, at Mary's uh, behest, bid on a Tuscan villa All right. in at the Saroy shootout. Okay. You know, they had, Mary had some wine and she gave me the elbow. She's like, do this. Plus, I guess it looks good to spend some money at your own golf tournament. Sure. I don't have any money. So he got that thing. It was a week in a villa in Tuscany for six people. So they were going to go. I wasn't even going. It was planned pandemic. You know, it got wiped out. It was planned the next year or whatever. And then two of the people couldn't go. And I mean, I was... I mean, obviously I was a candidate, but I'm like, I can't go fucking go to Italy. I have no money, whatever. Um, and then ultimately it shook out that I, I could go time-wise, mainly because I knew I was leaving my job and I, was going, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to vaporize all vacation days yeah. for, for the year in the early portion of it. Um, so Smart. Six of us went, Cash and his wife, our buddy Troy Wise, who you know, Troy, Wild Ass Troy, and Lisa. Uh, and then, much love to Troy. Uh, when I saw him in the pictures, I was wondering if you were going to make it back. <laughs> we made Inter- it back. International laws being what they are. <laughs> we made it back. Um, but anyway, so we had a week essentially paid for three years ago in Tuscany. Um, so we built around that. We're like, all right, now that's kind of taken care of. I used a shitload of American Airlines points on the flight, but the flights were then, I mean, free or however you want to put it, but I yeah, used points. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I got a villa there and points are covered. So we can kind of build other Italy shit around it. So we went to uh, the Amalfi Coast to Positano uh, and we went to Rome and we went up to Bologna to the Formula One race at Imola. And honestly, all amazing, loved it all. But that fucking Amalfi Coast, which you've seen the pictures of, the yeah, colorful yeah. houses on the hill. I've done puzzles, you know, of that just because it's, you know, Cinque Terre is the other one that's a little further north. But this is... Uh, one of my greatest regrets in life is uh, the, whenever I was studying abroad, uh, like one of the first weekends there, some of the cool guys were like, hey, we're going to Cinque Terre. Would you like to go? I'd like, never heard of that in my life. No, I want to sit here and look at my computer. Where, where were you? Rome. You were in Rome? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a, that was a terrible decision. It was awful. <laughs> I was here looking it was my so computer. dumb. <laughs> because as good as Rome was, we did all the historical shit, whatever. I don't need to, I don't think I ever need to go back to Rome. Now I would. We'll eat, drink, be merry. Yeah, no, it's it's tight in its own way. I really liked living there for four months. But That's yeah. badass. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. And Bologna was freaking awesome. I wasn't like even psyched. We only kind of went there because it was the proximity to the Imola where the Formula One track was. So I sort of steered everybody up there, you know, which is hard to do on a on a big trip like that. But Bologna, the town was m- more vibrant than Rome even. Like a little more condensed, more of a town square feel with like, you know, dozens of roads, but fucking Bologna was really great. Yeah, I, I've, there's not, I mean, I have my own uh, problems with Italians personally. Uh, it, we, we, we've gotten into some conflicts. I didn't find that, you know, on the, the, uh, the divisive side, they, they're not pro TC generally. Yeah, okay. Um, but, uh, <laughs> the polarization scale. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, maybe I'm recognizing a pattern here. There's a lot of people that aren't pro TC. Um, but, uh, uh, I, th- with that being said, th- there's no time that I've gone to an Italian city or town and wasn't like, oh my God, this is the best place ever. Like, uh, 
after the after I was starting to really regret the Cinque Terre thing, another kid came up to me. Was like, uh, I wanted to go to Orvieto. I hear there's a cool church there, and I was like, not getting, not not experiencing more regret. I'm just saying yes, blanket to anyone right. who wants to go anywhere to do anything. So I'm like, yes, deeply religious classmate. We can go see this <laughs> cathedral, and uh, it's a town that like the entire town exists on the uh, the top of a uh, God. I'm I'm oh plateau. It's just a yeah. big fucking like rock formation with this ancient town with a giant beautiful cathedral that just exists on top of it. I, I think that there might have been some cars up there. There might not have been any because to get up, period, you got to like gondola. It's like you take a train to a gondola and then, you know, you just go up and because uh, it's it's definitely not like there's a road to it. That's what I'm saying with the cars yeah. thing. You can't like just drive to it from Rome or something. Uh, and it's like, I've never heard of Orvieto outside of that. It was fucking dope. We went to Assisi as like a class trip. And again, it's like, it's built at the top of a hill. Uh, a group of us broke into the castle there okay. at, at night. It was uh, <laughs> one of the, the real highlights of my life. So yeah, dude, uh, I, I, I'm not surprised in the slightest that, uh, blown up was, yeah, was awesome. We did a bunch in Tuscany as those style towns and they're basically there because of their, their defense points. Yeah. historically i mean that's why a castle and a church it's all up on the side of a hill so there's only one way to get in i mean to make it difficult for to be sacked you know which yeah. is just stupid you know like and then you go to uh amalfi coast and most of the outcroppings of rock have like a little mini castle or whatever a banister well, i don't know, whatever you call those things with probably a cannon on top and it's like they're just guarding the southern coast or the western coast um, I loved it all, but I would say if I could only go back, I would go back and spend freaking two weeks in, in Positano or Sorrento on right on that coast. The water is clear. I launched it in the fucking water. And even that we, we did the private boat thing for four hours, you know? Hell yeah. And it was like 750 bucks. I still owe Troy. <laughs> I'm, I've been avoiding him seriously. Cause I can't, <laughs> I, I, owe, I owe a big chunk for that trip. Um, <laughs> And the captain was like, pretty cold. I don't know. And I'm just like, pop it, pop the shirt and yeah. I launch it. And it was just so magical. Like, what am I fucking doing here? And then you're just swimming, looking at those houses and like, once your body regulates to the coldness, it's not even cold anymore. There's only little caves yeah. you can go swim in. Honestly, I, and the restaurants right by the beach and just bars and the, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, go to Italy. Cool tip, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that. But uh, man, I would say spend some time on that side of that damn hill, and it's—I don't know—very different from just about anywhere else in the world. Uh, Venice was ad advertised. If you ever get the, I would—I would include that in your. Uh, I, you I went back. to Venice when I was like, when I was younger. My okay. dad had a boat race. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, God. you don't know that one, Venice to Monte Carlo. Holy shit! And you know who his uh, navigator slash engineer was? Was it the the? Uh, no, it was not. KFC guy again? <laughs> Popeyes. Popeyes. Bastard, I know that. No. He also raced with Chuck Norris. He raced with uh, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He, he raced with uh, Jerry Cooney, the Great White Hope, a former boxer. Okay. But that was just like celebrities getting in a boat, you know, whatever. And obviously Don Johnson. But no, his co-pilot and uh, navigator was one Richard Cash Saroy. Holy shit. Yes. Wow. So what a fucking experience. My, uh, this was after he left Popeyes, uh, yeah. racing for Popeyes, and he got hired by this dude named Mr. Katami, this Japanese guy, just fucking billionaire, who would always light a cigarette and take one long drag off of it and put it out, which I thought <laughs> was cool. What a luxury, dude. Yeah. 
and uh, he was, I guess, super wealthy. And he had his <laughs> the most Japanese named American boat company. It was called Super Hawaii. Hell yeah! <laughs> so it was this boat called Super Hawaii with a, I think it had a big wing on it, whatever. And Cash was sixteen, I think, and that's the. Did they have merchandise? I would love to wear a Super Hawaii I shirt. Almost. I, let's say the the boat company's not doing well because I don't even think you can hit it, put it in Google, and I don't think anything comes out. Yeah, maybe Super Hawaii boat. You might find a picture of it, but anyway, Cash was sixteen or old enough to race in a boat legally. So it was like a Tour de France, a time trial with cities. So it's Venice to Monte Carlo, basically a boat race around the boot of Italy, but they would go, you know, Venice to wherever, spend the night. And then the time trial factor worked. So, but my mom and me, again, I, there's a very misconception. We never, I, my dad told me he never once made a hundred thousand dollars in a year. You know, that was so a question like, I have. So that's, that's the, good. Well, there's it's, but we got to do a lot of cool shit because boat yeah. racing has to be run by millionaires and millionaires need to hire people who know how to haul ass in boats. And that's what my dad did. So we got to, and part of that deal was, hey, I'm going to have my kid race with me. And I'd like my wife and my other son to be there. So Mr. Katami flew me and Vita out first class to Monte Carlo. Jesus, that's dope. To wait at the fucking finish line to watch, you know, my dad and brother come in. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds charmed. And it, it is. But it didn't doesn't mean. Then you went back to your you went, dude, two bedroom my, house. My dad would say that. No, and we we were fine. You yeah. know, we had a nice okay house and whatever. But my dad, my mom told me my dad would always say that at the end of those trips. He says, "Well, you know, back to the real world." Yeah, no doubt. Because you know, at these boat races, there's helicopters and there's jumpsuits and we're f beautiful fifty foot four engine inboard fucking catamaran race boat going one hundred and thirty. And it's all sexy, but someone's got to make that boat go fast. And someone's got to fly in on their chopper and sit behind the wheel and act like they're doing everything. And that's what the rich guy does. So anyway, we, I did get to go to, uh, to Venice and, uh, and Monte Carlo on that trip. So, but it's incredible. Everywhere is fucking incredible. That is how I feel. I really do. Burleson. Everywhere outside <laughs> of the metro. <laughs> no, I like Burleson. You know, on that note, and I want to speak speak ill of the frozen and i might be so wrong on this and i bet next week you'll find out i am but i have iceland so far down the list of places that i want to go oh i have it way up there really yeah i'm in, i'm really into, i this is a, a hobby i've taken up since the ticket so i don't know if you're aware but i'm really into droning okay no i didn't know you were a drone drone guy yeah it's uh it's right there it's in that bag um i'm jeep guy so we <laughs> that's right we each yeah. have our own i could uh i could get some cool footage of the jeep if you want please get me waving at other jeeps <laughs> yeah <laughs> drone footage um but I, I want to go but it's 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 very far down the list it's a real haven for that kind of stuff it's, is it northern lights is that the no, it's just, it's naturally beautiful. Like, you know, it's, it's the kind like, uh, I, I don't know the actual like reasons, but uh, you know, the, the shape of the earth, the geologic forces, there's a lot of things happening there that aren't happening anywhere else. And so just the, the landscape looks extremely unique. Uh, I know that they do have a lot of geothermal features, but after going to Yellowstone, I, uh, I have a really weird elitist feeling about anyone else's geothermal features. Two thirds of the total. You're an old faithful guy only, or uh, well, old faithfuls. Uh, it's 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 down on the list as far as it's just. I I don't know. I I really enjoyed my three days in Yellowstone. <laughs> really? I learned a lot of facts and quickly became a real Yellowstone elitist. 
which you know, part of that is saying old old faithful's not that cool. Really? Uh, because it's it's just the most uh, like regular one. That's the feature. Mm-hmm. Like that that it's it's the very timing. predictable. Uh, it's not close to the largest or most majestic, and just not timing it out, but just like by pure chance, uh, I did walk up on. If it's not the biggest, it's the second biggest, and it it goes about once every two days. But it's not like it's not like you can plan. Well, it it went forty eight hours ago, so I'm going to show up in forty eight hours, and it'll be there. It's you know you sit around for two days hoping it goes. Right. And we walked up, and in the first five minutes, it started going. Sploosh. Uh, yeah, dude, it's it's fucking dope. It's like a huge like hot tub size hole in the ground with water that you didn't know that colors could be like that. And it's fucking, you know, shooting up like three stories. It's the dopest shit. Uh, but two thirds of the world's geothermal features are, uh, are in Yellowstone. So if you're going right. in, and then the, the other one third is scattered everywhere else across the globe. So yes, Iceland has some, but uh, if you are into geothermal features, clearly not the choice, Iceland. <laughs> When you got Yellowstone right here. Absolutely. You just hope the super volcano doesn't pick that day. I like know. your geyser did. There's uh, worse ways to go out. You go to J-Hole? We did go to J-Hole. I spent the a brief little day. Billion dollar saloon or silver dollar saloon and sit up on a saddle at the bar. We just went to some kind of, you know, place where they served lunch. Did you take a picture in front of the antler arch? I did, I did. You want to see it? <laughs> yes. Um, and... Uh, this was probably like four years before the Kanye album came out. Okay. But the going, I think I guess it was back up from Jackson to where we were staying. We went by the Tetons, and I have essentially the exact same photo as the Kanye album. But really, it's, but it's I'm in it. You know, I'm like walking towards Miss Tight. I mean, you do if you've ever driven by it, you do understand why Kanye. Like I think that I don't think there's a single time that someone's driven by that they didn't take out their phone and fucking yeah. got to get them Tetons. We uh, when I was in school in Flagstaff, I had hippie buddies and we did a adventure to camp Yellowstone and not summit but climb to the near the top of the Grand Tetons. Hell yeah! And it's one of the most memorable things I've ever done. But this is real fucking camping. This ain't yeah 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 staying in a yurt down in dripping springs yeah this is uh real shit and the hiking god damn it i was miserable with the hiking i remember one time where i mean we hike all fucking day up switchbacks yeah I'm like what am i doing like yeah it's pretty but fuck off <laughs> there was one time it was my buddy drew and my buddy pj and there's just the three of us and there's switchbacks and they it looks like you're at the top of the end of them and I climb, they're way ahead of me and we all have water, you know, and I'm like about out of my water and I get to the top of the switchback and I look now there's another huge field and more switchbacks and they're at the top of the next switchback just looking back, laughing at me because I fucking take my hat off and I spike it like fucking gronk because I'm like <laughs> fucking shit. And then I look yeah. down and there's like a bottle of water because they knew I was probably done with mine. They just left oh, what it. Oh, sweet guys. And they're like, keep coming, buddy. It was gorgeous though, man. I don't, you know. I loved it, man. And there's like what Lake Jenny and some of those gorgeous clear water lakes. And it rained one day, and we're just on this trail running, and it's just drizzling, and that's creating the rainbows and shit. And it, I want to go back and do the exact same hike, even though it was misery when you're um, actually walking up. My uh, the so the reason we went up there is Megan. It was a whole fucking thing of like uh, she had her dad's sister was in the Peace Corps. 
while she was in the Peace Corps, she met another dude from the Peace Corps uh, and, you know, fell in love. And he was from Boise. And so they went up there and uh, she died at a, you know, tragically young age. I think she's in like her 40s, got cancer or something along those lines. And over the course of that, uh, there was like things got frayed between the family and him. Mm. And uh, I, the ki- his kids at that point were like 11 or something. And he was just like, I'm not fucking doing it. Like, you know, she's gone. I've got no reason to speak to you people anymore. Uh, and then once they, yeah, I mean, I think this woman's in her 30s now, maybe even 40. Um, you know, it, at some point was like, you know, I kind of half remember like seeing them and they seemed cool. Mm-hmm. And I think it was her that that reached out and was like, hey, I would love to, you know, see you guys again. Really? I just kind of remember my mom and her family and reconnect that part of my life. And uh, so, yeah, so it was, it was uh, Megan's parents wanted to go up there, but they're of a sufficiently advanced age that they didn't think that they could like navigate and do all the driving and like all the other shit. Uh, so they were like, ah, eh, well, I, I guess we'll let TC tag along. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I can drive a Z71 on you. We, yeah, of course. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, but her cousin um, lives, lives there. Her, she's married to a park ranger. Oh, nice. Uh, and uh, they just do, you know, badass shit all the time. So when we went by Teton, I was like, you know, you ever been to the top? And uh, she and her husband did it in a day. Really? They just, <laughs> yeah, they just fucking, in the morning, they started, they went to the top, and they came back down. Dude, I don't do anything that even resembles, like, climbing. Yeah, no, me Nothing. neither. <laughs> like, I'll hike if I have to, and I like the beauty of it, but you will never see me climbing shit. Have you uh, have you heard of the Netflix documentary The Alpinist? I have. I uh, no, I did. I watched it. So there dope. was two of them. There's one I watched. What's the other one? The 12th? Fourteen Peaks. Peaks? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I haven't watched that one. I'm same, same. Okay, I'm going yeah. to watch Fourteen Alpinist, Peaks. Alpinist. Yeah, that's the uh, French dude, or what is? He's Canadian, but he's got a French name. Uh, Mark Andre Leclerc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a fucking great document. I don't want to say too much about it because if someone had spoiled it for me before I saw it, I would have been very upset. But uh, it's fucking dope. I'll say I because I have very I'm scared of heights. Yeah, like rock climbing. Is <laughs> I'm the scared of uh, rock climbing thing. without a net or without okay. a rope. <laughs> I paused that movie and Wikipedia'd to spoil it for myself. Yeah, because I couldn't. I didn't want to wa- see footage or whatever if anything bad was going to happen yeah like i couldn't yeah i don't know the whole like, time i was thinking my hands about are it. soaked literally <laughs> yeah. when i watch this shit yeah i'm like why do i i can't do this it's just such a fucking unique guy uh, just like he clearly he was an okay enough with the cameras but was just like this is not what i'm doing it for i mean he couldn't have made that more clear You're right uh and and if not, then why? <laughs> you know, like, and he's he's got his, you know, watch the documentary. You'll draw your own conclusions. But uh, I just, I the entire time I was trying to do like a a discussion with myself of like, okay, having this hobby is different from being addicted to heroin, but like how? Yeah, it's, and we're, it's such a comfortableness with what you're doing every day might kill you. We're not equipped to answer that question. on either side you know i don't know yeah 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 and uh, i don't like to to land on that as like how you're going to go through life it does seem like he was 
unnaturally gifted at it. Not, I, I don't know. Have you ever known people like that? I grew up with a guy who could climb anything. Oh, really? And no. It was amazing to watch. Like he just scaled the face of my house. It's like, a, <laughs> really? like yeah, uh, it was dope. Not we, many climbers. They're native of Miami, Florida. I don't think so. I mean, it's not like uh, Plano, Texas, a really on invites you, but it. No, not nothing like that. That is, he. I don't know what he's up to now. I hope he's doing great. You know, shout out to him. But uh, for a while, he did just have a. Uh, tree limb cutting business because he just fucking just was so good at it it was just yeah i mean he loved doing it and so i could kind of see like that guy you know if he like grew up near the you know big mountains that that like of course he would but to be that dedicated to it and there's there's some stuff in there of like where it seems this like he didn't have like he didn't like come from money you know and i just i i would love to know it See, the thing is, is that it's just so clear how great of a relationship he and his mom have and how much she loves him. Like, that comes across so clearly in the documentary that, like, that would kind of be the first thing I would point to of why someone's uh, running to fucking scale mountains is, yeah. like, they had bad parents, <laughs> you know? And, like, we're kind of trying, but, like, you know, his mom's right there in the documentary doing a great job. So, I, I don't know. I'd like a second documentary <laughs> about uh, why someone lands on this uh, this hobby, but But the I don't bonus know. thrill of not using safety equipment or rope. Yes. I, like, it's pretty good with the safety equipment, you know, with the rope and the calipers and everything yeah it's got to be still pretty fun most people seem fine with it and then you're not gonna die you're not gonna plummet to your death you might though if it's not it's it's considerably more risk than what you and i are doing right now henry like i wouldn't let them put an industrial crane on top of a mountain and put me in a basket and just raise me up the up near the surface of the of the stone to the top you're uh i i'm pretty sure donovan's the one that talks about this better i can't remember exactly all my memories are fuzzy but uh the uh, hot air balloon yeah that's me <laughs> okay yeah you, you're you're I have a, such a hard no. the number one killer of <laughs> adults what? in the united states of america <laughs> it's hot air balloon disasters <laughs> no, i Second don't think that's is true. heart disease <laughs> i'm not i'm not sure about that <laughs> it's number one i would love to go in a hot uh, in a hard air balloon no i do i will uh, never uh, do you, do you identify at all with the fear of heights being less a fear of falling and more a fear of jumping? I strongly identify with that. Well, I like jumping off like uh, rocks in the water, pretty high. Yeah, no, I like, like that too, relatively high. But whenever I'm like, whenever we would be at hangout and we'd be all fucked up, standing on like that 13th floor balcony, I would I would plant my body. <coughs> Jesus Christ, Henry! <coughs> hey, get out of here! Get out! Um. I would just plant my wall and my back against the wall and like I couldn't take a step forward. And it is just like I just didn't feel that in control of myself. And there like is a voice in my head that's like, fucking jump, jump right now, right? go over it, see what happens. Like it's not even really suicidal. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like I, I can't explain it. There's a strike. And I, that, uh, that other documentary, uh, The Bridge, about people jumping off of the, yeah. I, they talk with the survivors and they seem to have like a, some of them clearly do like plan their trip to San Francisco so they can kill themselves at the Golden Gate Bridge, but plenty more were just walking on a normal day and the voice got too loud. Really? Yeah, I think so. Don't they all say too that when they jump, their only thought is, "I want to live." <laughs> yeah, it's like all the survivors admit that, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, no, 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 no. That's bad. That's <laughs> really like that. bad. Yeah. 
it's uh it's talked me out of uh, that that method. I don't know. I just want to live a long, happy life with my family. Dude, I went with Christina to Chicago, and we went to what was it the John Hancock Building, one of the buildings with yeah. the glass fucking overhang. Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't even like being up in the observation deck, and she just walks right out on the thing and look at the pictures. I wouldn't stand on that plexiglass thing. I uh, I wouldn't even get close to. I look at this. I can't even say it. I wouldn't even like lean over and look onto the safety glass and she's out there smiling i have walked Holy onto it shit i've i've walked onto that one and uh it, i i'm glad that i did it was intense like it's oh i can't like i'm picturing it having like pangs of panic like no it's not a for me it's not like that i'm it's not that i'm not scared it's that i like the scared and so Man. like i'm fully like it takes so much concentration to take a step no oh. uh but while, <laughs> while i was doing it a fucking like eight-year-old like just ran up and jumped did the sumo jump just yeah like you know from the you know oh part that's God. not glass onto the part that is glass like right next to me and i that was okay i'm done when you <laughs> run as far full as speed out of the lobby <laughs> yeah. and would you ice man the far wall jump up and full weight into the into the far wall yeah i mean he was young enough it wasn't going to be a big problem but like you like you do just see straight down there's something strong Fuck going on that. in your brain whenever you can look Dude, down and, and you're you a big see. boy i'm a big boy and i always like when it comes to bungee jumping or that thing yeah, i'm like yeah. i don't know if they factored this yeah. out. you know it's like well you're not we're not that big yeah but like surely they it's built for a 160 pound person yeah. or if it says you know 225 weight limit i'm like yeah 215 I should be fine. <laughs> yeah. Because they were real precise. Yeah, <laughs> you know? No problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so the 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 boat racing, I did want to know how much they made because as I was watching, I still haven't finished it. I've got like uh, two episodes to go in the the, the Cocaine Cowboys. The there's there's now been several films called Cocaine Cowboys, right. all by Billy Corbin, but we're talking about the Netflix series that came out. We had uh, Billy Corbin on Cirque. Hell yeah. Uh, Six months or whenever it came out, basically. Was he excited? Yeah, he's cool. And he's a Miami native. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's Miami native. So we have a lot of the, just a lot of, you know, similar memories and stuff. Um, like, did Bill Saroy mean anything to him? I don't remember, but he he definitely knew the Popeye boat. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure we said at the beginning of the interview, he may have kindly pretended that he knew the name. I don't know that he was a boat racing historian you know yeah um but the, i mean the popeye boat's in the documentary very briefly i think it actually would get passed by the seahawk boat which is which is their boat mm, too bad it, you know we were just getting up on plane the 50 foot boat takes a little longer to get going but you know That's keep right. that footage going for another 90 seconds mm -hmm. and see what happens absolutely Magluta boys <laughs> um no i remember sal and willie uh i remember them being uh like very friendly like cartoon friendly people I might definitely, my dad knew them. I remember the words Sal and Willie, and it was always called that, like both of them. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, I think, I'm pretty sure we would like Sal and Willie and like run up and hug them. Like, I mean, they're ever, it, like I said, when you're a kid, you're at these boat races, everyone's in like their jumpsuits, like it's so colorful. Yeah. And it's like, it's all like candy and like they, they feel like they're your friends and stuff. It's a great part of the documentary is how many pictures they have of them in these cool ass boat suits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like every time that they need some B roll for something, like there's a the one photo of the full team they just put up constantly. As, yeah. And then they're Xing out as the guys are yes, going away exactly. to jail. Yeah. But they were Seahawk. And I remember they had two boats Seahawk. 
because they wanted to race against each other. Just fucking zooted out on blow yeah. out there, just hauling ass. But it was cool, man. There was like all like there was a Jesse James boat, and it was like a Western guy. There was Apache, you know, it was like an Indian boat. And there was uh, I mean, just it was all it was very, very cool. And you're a kid, and they don't give a shit who you are, but they knew my dad, certainly the crew members knew my dad, so they were nice. And I remember I remember Sal and Willie giving him hugs and stuff when we were kids and being excited to see him. Um, I don't remember. I certainly didn't know about the cocaine trade and it's did you have any, on the, any like recollection of the bust? Cause that no. would have been big news, but nothing's big news to a 14 year old or whatever. Yeah, no, I don't. There was another guy, George Morales, who I remember he got busted. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was another massive cocaine importer. He may be, maybe getting out now or just gotten out, I think. Um, but I remember going to his house for like a Christmas party and I don't know the politics behind that, you know, if why my dad would bring us to what probably had live tigers in a nearby cage and security with fucking automatic weapons all surrounding the property. Like, I don't have any recollection of that. Or if it was sort of, you will come to my, you will come to my Christmas party. <laughs> like, I don't know. But I remember going to his house. Yeah. You wonder how much like even someone like your dad is clocking this stuff, you know? I, I don't know. Like, it's easy enough to under, to imagine a world where he's like, oh, obviously they're dealing cocaine. But also, there's plenty of times, where, like, you don't ask too many questions. I remember, There was a kid growing up in my neighborhood uh, that was just, like, much richer than everyone else in the neighborhood. And it was just, like, his dad sold some some stores to Blockbuster a while ago. And, like, but I... I don't fucking know if he did, you know, yeah. like if it was just like, uh, he was the, the head of a cocaine empire and like, you know, given their family, maybe, uh, right. <laughs> uh, you know, like, uh, just anytime someone asks, he's like blockbuster. Don't worry about it. Right. Like, I don't fucking Get your know. video. Rewind. Be <laughs> yeah. kind. Rewind. Yeah. Well, and then apply that further to my dad who, my dad, I mean, I'm not a wild man or whatever, but my dad was a real wild man. I mean, he, would steal his dad's car and go drag racing. And that's how he got in a boat racing and all this weird shit. And I'd be a fool not to ask why, you know, my dad is in Miami in the seventies and eighties. And he's the guy who's got the fastest boats in Dade and Broward County. Know? No, like I, I, I'd be foolish not to ask that. And I've sat down with my do you, mom. Do you think? Oh dude, I, I do. I mean, I wonder, I don't think. Yeah. Um, because for a few reasons I have asked my mom, as much as I could. And she, I, I, she seemed very sincere when dismissing it. She's like, look, it was around. That was a world. She's told me years ago, your dad smoked a joint once and we were at the jockey club, which she tells me where it was. And he was holding on to like this pole and he couldn't really let go of it. Like it, shit that I believe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And my dad, I know for a fucking fact, worked 6.30 AM until like 7 PM busting his ass in this garage to get these three or four race boats rigged, hauling ass, painted, transported to these locations. Like he was the engineer and crew chief of this massive operation. He was a, a terrible, the blockbuster video was very busy and operationally. He was there all day, every day. Yeah. And he was mentally stressed out by it, you know, working hard. And I just don't think if he was sitting on <laughs> cocaine running money from i don't think there's any way it could be a a regular thing but like if you are one of the most talented boaters in miami in the 80s and i i wonder if there was anyone that was just like did it as like a one time right oh i i wouldn't i have zero doubt that 
he probably was asked, can you uh, make a run to the Bahamas? Yeah. Just make a run to the Bahamas and back for us. We'll give you $10,000, whatever. I have no idea. Or if there's I a lot of voters was, and like it's so important that the trust level be there that they only use two. You know, I mean, it seemed like from the movie that uh, there was, you know, there, there was two. There was two guys that they were always having run the boats. And it's not like they had, you know, a crew of like in and out. And, you know, we're seeing like, oh, can you work on this day? Yeah. Like, it's just you got your guys. You trust your guys. You don't have a big circle. So I, I could kind of see that. But I don't know, man. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it seems impossible to me that he never had the opportunity. I agree. And I, I, I know nothing more than that, unfortunately. I mean, if my dad was still alive at my age now or helped 10 20 years ago yeah you know i think i would have been in an age where i could probably sit down and ask him some of those questions and i think he would probably be pretty honest with me about him you know but yeah, i don't have i don't have the answer to that but <laughs> miami from 1970 to 1992 and living on the water and and having access to all the fastest boats and happen to be working in an industry where multiple drug busts have happened among the biggest importers of cocaine in American history. That's a lot of reason to think that he was near those circles. But I, and I'm not like proud of my dad guy, gun to my head, I don't think he, I don't, I would guess he never did it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even they're think from it's an Indiana like a family. He's a working class dude, he's a, he's a racer. But I, but the the opportunity I would I would guess in some form presented itself. But I, if I had to guess, I would think he never did anything like that. But <laughs> who the hell knows? Yeah, I mean, it just I I don't know what they would have given you for like one run. But I, I fifteen thousand seems low. I bet it'd be like fifty. Yeah, you know, like a, a year's fucking salary for m most people. Yeah, and uh, you know, we make fun of Nate Newton or whatever. But if someone handed me a duffel bag and said, "Can you bring this to Shreveport?" When everyone back, can always use fifty thousand. Not everyone. You, but. I'll give you fifty thousand dollars. Just drop this bag off for me. Yeah, most people are like, fuck, dude. I would. And it's like I could drive to here to Shreveport and back a hundred times, not get pulled over, not even think about it. I can't remember the last time I got pulled over. It's been a long time. Yeah, you know, it's pretty safe. So um, you can hire the Fleming Saroy Transportation <laughs> Company that we're we're getting started. Uh, do you? Uh, I I've spent so. Are you familiar with uh, True Hoop, the basketball blog used to be on ESPN? Vaguely, yeah. I see. Uh, so the guy that runs it, Henry Abbott, he, uh, I think he's pretty much done with it now, but seemed to take a real strong special interest in uh, Jeffrey Epstein, which I share. Uh, yeah, that's uh, IJB <laughs> Rushmore, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, and he wrote like a 20 part series that I, I subscribed to true just to read it. Uh, shout out to David Ruff. He's the one that tipped me off to it. And, uh, it like, he doesn't talk that much about Epstein. Like it's, it's all centered there and it's all supposedly centered on, uh, the NBA and how they get their money because the Apollo global is like a big money hedge fund okay. deal. And, Three different, the 76ers owners are full Apollo Global. Um, the Hawks, I think that their primary guy is Apollo Global. And the guy who's president of it now was David Stern's roommate at Duke. 
Their uh, offices, I think, are in the same building as the NBA headquarters. <laughs> There's a lot of ties. Yeah. And so a lot of it's in um, the head of Apollo Globe, or the former head now, Leon Black, once made a $158 million payment to Jeffrey Epstein. Jesus. That he said was for, like, tax advice. <laughs> tax <laughs> so, tips. Yeah. Jesus. Um, so that's that's where it starts, right? But a lot of it's then just, like, you know, running down every little tendril of Apollo Global and stuff like that. And, and it, it quickly gets into, you know, like, all this money that Apollo sits on top of. What is this money? Where did it come from? And you know, a lot of answers to that question, but one is most definitely drug money. Right. And so it's it's made me think about it a lot of just the drug money is, there's as much drug money in this world as there is oil money. There is. Yeah. And think about the ways in which uh, you know that oil money like is shaping our world. Right. And drug money is doing as much, but has incentives and has built up complex systems to make sure that even way above how secretive oil money is like the, you know, you can at least like, like you can know, you know, whenever there's politicians that deny that climate change is happening, it's not like you got to do a bunch of math to figure out what all this is going on. Right. Uh, whereas the drug money thing, like, it's not like they even want drugs to be legal because then the price of their stuff would drop. Like right. the money would shift around to people, not them. So I don't even know what they, I mean, they probably want it to be easier to launder money. And I would mm -hmm. assume that they're successful in making it easier than they would be if they're not there. Uh, but then just perpetuating the ability to move money around without people knowing about it. And one of the things you want there is absolute rock solid trust with the people you're dealing with. And you can obtain that if you have a video of them having sex with underage girls, <laughs> you know? So, um, and like, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm just, now uh, I'm just uh, getting into the whole thing. The, yeah. 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 Um, but I, I like just as I'm watching this, uh, Sal and Willie thing, you know, like they talk enough about where their money is and where it's going and it's in safe houses and stuff. Uh, but you know, it, it was interesting that he was talking about his girlfriend, the one that eventually flipped on him. Mm -hmm. You love that. <laughs> uh, and the fucking, like she, whatever the uh, Pedro guy flipped, whatever Rosie flipped, she's like, he had no backbone. And then like <laughs> fucking, you know, two episodes later, she's like, yeah, I told on those fools. <laughs> like she's the best. Can uh, you imagine how quickly and flimsily that all starts and gets going? Like those dudes, I, I, I watched it seven eight months ago whenever yeah i, yeah, yeah. I, I barely remember it, I, I, any specifics but you can't exactly just have a well-oiled operation overnight and when it happens so quickly and then next thing you know there's so much money and you the loose ends are inevitable like you can't have a have this thing clean you know so they have the little notebook with every everything written in there and code words and shit but just imagine having that windfall and having all that delivery and the way it works and having that much money consistently coming in and how and to it's just try so to rare allocate the money people like us ever end up in that situation like i think that they're you know uh i think where they started it was probably a tax bracket below ours right and like all yeah. of a sudden they're like what's a million i don't even notice yeah i don't care about any nothing yeah money. like she at one point is like yeah i was taking money from him. it was a couple million what's the fucking problem right yeah like a couple million is what we're going to earn in our lifetime right <laughs> uh and but whatever she was talking about how like the first thing he got her to do is he's like 
there's a lot of churches that I make donations to, and I would like for those to continue. You know, right? Yeah, and like I stuff like that. Uh, uh, the thing I think about a lot is uh, one of the Koch brothers, not one of the ones you've like heard of or familiar, but like a non-political Koch brother, uh, dedicated a considerable amount of his resources to catching people who sell faked vintage wine. Really? And like, surely he got ripped off at some point. Right. That sounds like a vengeance, <laughs> vengeance buy. Yeah. And like, it's insane. And I, I don't think that anyone would be able to like look at you with straight face and be like, much of the world's resources ought to be devoted to catching wine thieves. <laughs> like, how about we help out the poor as the first thing? Uh, no, he's going closer to home. But like, uh, you know, whatever, whenever people have that much money, they get to do whatever they want. And like, he wants to make sure that the world is safe from wine thieves. <laughs> and wine uh, yeah, yeah. And so like, you know, I just, just whatever we're thinking about cocaine money, like each one of these guys has their own special interest that they can throw a couple million to. And like, who the fuck knows, you know, like yeah. what that is or how, cause you're, you're never going to learn. I mean, you know, maybe they get caught and like in this documentary, you were learning about some stuff, but like, that's clearly the tip of the iceberg. Uh, and so what are the other things that like our world is being shaped by the fact that, you know, people pay a lot for cocaine and the only way you can sell it is by like hiding everything. Yeah. It's wild. Fascinating. It yeah. is. Did you, I mean, did you have an, I know you said you went to the guy's party, but you got any other uh, cool stories of bumping up against it? Not, no. I had zero. Not knowingly? I, dude, I don't even think, I didn't even barely know what cocaine was the whole yeah. time I lived in Miami. I, you know, I left Miami, I was in sixth grade, going into seventh grade when we moved to uh, Sarasota, Florida. Why'd you guys move to Sarasota? Um, my dad, when he he left, so he was with Popeyes Racing, and they won like seven straight national championships, and they were one of the most successful boats ever. And I think I think I remember because I laid out the hours. My dad was working, and I think Al Copeland wanted some more guarantee winning something, or and I think my dad probably was like, "Look, I do everything. I'm the reason this fucking boat wins shit." You fly in show up jump behind the wheel and steering a boat is not as hard as running the throttles which is what my dad did and i think my dad was just overworked and just like you just asked me for more fuck off i'm done so and our shop was in miami the popeye shop was in miami all that so that's why we live there uh and then he got a job with wellcraft the the boat maker and they hubbed out of sarasota and they wanted him to uh be in charge of their high performance boating division basically and uh, he hadn't been diagnosed with cancer yet, but he was getting a little older and, you know, racing, it take, takes a, you know, a lot of banging and toll on the body. Yeah. Um, so he was going to go like head this kind of speedboat division and still race uh, a little bit. But then, so we moved to Sarasota where Wellcraft is hubbed. Um, and that's when he worked for Wellcraft. And then I think I've told you this story before, but it's a pretty cool one. So he did work for Popeyes. They had this big boat, Catamaran, the best, the winningest boat in offshore history. It, it is. Amazing. Dude. So then he left and he goes to work for Wellcraft. Wellcraft does have race boats um, and they wanted to race. So they got Don Johnson, the, you know, bringing it back to Miami Vice, as we Absolutely. always do, yeah. uh, to be the driver of the boat. And my dad rigged the boat and was going to be the throttle man. And But the boat was inferior. I think it was a 46 foot Well Wellcraft Scarab. And you're going against this. 50 foot catamaran that my dad built and rigged to crush everyone. And he had an incredibly inferior boat. 
So they take this boat, Don Johnson and my dad, to the world championships in Key West. And you're racing against, he's racing a Frankenstein's monster, you know? But my dad knew the ego and everything involved. And he knew how to push his own boat, the Popeye boat, into breaking down. Like he knew Al Copeland liked to lead when he comes into the harbor of Key West. Because when you're that first boat and everyone's going crazy... So I think whatever my dad did was like push him and whatever. And he basically broke the Popeye boat. So fucking amazing. It's tortoise and the hare. And the fucking tortoise beat the hare because of their own ego and his own boat. And ended up winning the world championship with Don Johnson in 1989 and beat his own, you know, his own creation. You think that or Cash's birth is for his personal (laughs) rankings? If it were me, it'd be the boat thing. No offense. I, see, my dad, not that I ever saw, it never had much of an ego, but that's another one that I was like, dude, tell me this whole fucking story now that I'm an adult, like the truth behind all of it. Because that I basically just told you essentially what I know, yeah. which is three minutes of conversation and it He's sounds pretty cool. He's got a lot cool. more details. It was probably the focus of his life for like a year. Right. I'm going to fuck him. And yeah. I don't think he even thought he could run with it, but he's like, you know what, if, if we can break him. Then the the tortoise struts by. I uh, I'll, I'll watch uh, jet ski races for fun on Hell YouTube yeah. sometimes, and uh, I think that is a considerable portion of your your water racing. It's just uh, like the first thing to determine is like how many of these are going to be still running at the end of this. Right, and with offshore powerboat racing, that's a huge part of it. Is yeah, don't break down. Yeah, yeah, you know. And my dad's boats broke down plenty, plenty. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, he would have to jump in the water and fucking change propellers and shit. It's fucking wild. God, that is insane. Like in a race? Yeah, in a race. Hop in. Well, and- once they, when they first started, it was just him and Al, just the throttle man navigator. When they got the big boat, the 50 footer, there was four. There was uh, the driver, Al, my dad, the throttle man, uh, Stan Ware, <clears throat> who was the navigator, which I think he was just friends of Al. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, because my dad had a map too. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, but he was the navigator. And then, uh, uh, Dick Clark. Keep going straight. It was, yeah, exactly. Go. <laughs> and ready? And here we go. Left. Like Dick Clark, Dick Clark? Not Dick Clark, okay, Dick Clark. Okay. A different Dick Clark. Right. Was, uh, was I, he may have been the, anyway, there was an engineer on board too. Yeah. And that was basically so my dad wouldn't have to jump in the water anymore if if need be. Yeah. I have one more real quick boat racing story that I Please. think you'll think is interesting. As many as you want. Um, uh, my dad was in a race uh and there's a r- rule unwritten rule I th- unwritten who knows rule in boat racing especially back in the day if there's a crash you if they if they stuff the boat that's the most dangerous thing you go off a wave the front of your boat tips down and you stuff the nose into the next wave yeah stuffing the boat back in the day they barely even had canopies you could get your fucking head ripped off shit by stuffing a boat yeah many <laughs> Jesus people Christ. have died if you're going that fast yeah, yeah stuff it wow you instantly stop and so then they started building canopies and then they built in a full enclosure so the last boat my dad built had a full enclosure there was a hatch on the bottom so if the boat flipped there was all the safety measures. i think they had oxygen but anyway in the as that evolution of of safety technology was coming along there was a there's an unwritten rule that if someone crashes stuffs their boat flips Fuck the race, pull over. If you're the closest one to them, you might be able to help them. Yeah. Because there's a safety helicopter. Who knows where the safety boats are? They could be 10 miles away. You fuck the race. So my dad was racing and this guy uh, flipped, flipped his boat. 
and my dad pulls over, you know, or they pull the boat over. I don't even know who was in and they were underwater and my dad jumped underwater and unbuckled him from his fucking safety harness. Holy shit. And dragged him to the surface. Was he like, do you know if he's like knocked out or something? I, I believe he was probably conscious. Right? I believe. Yeah. But again, another story that I'm going to tell you that's going to be three minutes that fucking please give yeah. this to me. Um, of all I, the people I've known who, yeah, like most of the people I know who have, have all their parents. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I'd, I'd trade like three of those for Bill. <laughs> <laughs> this, I'll give you this fucking banker and this fucking yeah. ad agency guy. Yeah. And uh, the car dealership. For uh, for one offshore <laughs> offshore powerboat racer, uh, Henry. He's usually not this bad. He's great. Get out of here! Hey hey, get out! So anyway, the guy he dragged out, I who I you know he didn't even know what boat it was. I don't know. It turns out the guy's name's Jerry Herbst. Yeah, you've you've told me this, told this before. Point. I could hear it a million times. Oh, I, I love told it. you because you spent some time in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerry Herbst owns Terrible Herbst Oil. <laughs> I know, well. which is the number one fucking, or at least was like the number one oil company in the entire state of Nevada. Every gas station, every gas station, yeah. at least back in the day. Terrible Herbst. So this dude uh, is one of the richest men in Nevada, and now there's a Terrible Herbst casino. I mean, he's got a casino, and he's on the. Hundred dollar chips at the casino and shit. That's beautiful. So uh, he still to this day doesn't have. Well, I don't, I don't even know if he's alive to be honest. Uh, but doesn't have use of his left arm because of that accident. Holy shit! Yeah, like he he's permanently. If injured. you told me that, I didn't recall. Yeah, but your dad a, was there when fucking the richest man in Nevada lost use of his lost arm. His Jesus arm, Christ! What a story. So that dude Jerry Herps, as a thank you to my dad, invited us to come visit, and so we again. Not rich. Yeah, yeah. Cool to be friends with the richest fucking oil man in Nevada. Yeah. We went to his house outside of Las Vegas. I All I remember is it was gorgeous and there was a racquetball court inside. Hell yeah. Like, hell yeah. And he had kids that were a little older than us. Um, and then he gave us his cabin in Bryan Head, Utah to go skiing in for a weekend. Wow. Amazing. I bet it was a nice cabin. And then we got to take with his pilot a helicopter ride through the Grand Canyon. Wow. And land like anywhere. Holy shit. You know, shit. like land somewhere where someone may, who knows if anyone's ever stood there. Oh my God. All that is like a thank you for saving my life. Yeah, yeah. And I think knowing my dad, he was probably embarrassed, but he's also like, I mean, okay though. I mean, I did ski trip, life. helicopter ride, week in Vegas, like who am I not to, and the guy was like insisting on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did all that. I mean, what would you do if you had that kind of resources and someone saved your life? <laughs> I'd be pissed that they didn't do Right, it. of course. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty incredible. And to, to this day, I, I plan still on hooking up with his kids who probably own the entire company now, whatever. Mm -hmm. and I just think if we walked into that casino or their office and said our last name, they would like, even if they're 50, 60 year old men, I don't know. I think they would have a pretty emotional response to it. And probably, I mean, $200, $300 worth of chips. They probably <laughs> yeah, yeah, slide yeah. across the table and, you know. Night of blackjack. Yeah, I might, I might roll the bones on the craps table <laughs> a little bit and have a, have a, a semi-presidential suite for a night. That's wonderful. But yeah, pretty pretty cool, man. He was a, he's a bad dude. That's great. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate the time, Mike. This is awesome. Oh, dude, super fun. Thanks for... Uh, Thanks. What number is this going to be so I can commit it to memory? Uh, I'm not sure. Eight, <laughs> 860 something, I think.
So I was on 51 and we were at 860. Yeah, I mean, that was 2011, I would think. That's fucking cool. So you were on? I mean, it was it was geographically close to us. It was our house that was I like two it. blocks that way. I, I bet I could uh, drive right to it. It's uh, it's knocked down now, but you, you know the mm-hmm. corner. Stand on the plot of land and remember. Yeah, yeah the, uh, <laughs> the, the backyard where uh, Jake just laid looking at the stars for a full evening. <laughs> After uh, after uh, meeting Troy, I think. I think that was the night he met Troy. That makes sense. That makes um, sense. A lot of clarity available yeah. in some circles. Uh, but yeah. Uh, anyways, it's uh, it's wonderful. Best of luck in future endeavors. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Anytime. We'll That's it for tonight. The high school special is next, so until tomorrow. For everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm TC and Jake. We do thank you for watching. Good night.